Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome back to Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I'm your host, Kofi Outlaw. And with me today, I got from the comic book team, Mr. Matthew Aguilar. Yay, yay. Janelle Wheeler is with us. <laughs> yay, yay. <laughs> I tried. Return to the podcast, Mr. Evan Valentine. Hey. No, you got to do yay, yay. Yeah, I have to. Yay, yay. There it is. <laughs> Everybody needs more ice cube in their life. Oh boy, uh, that is true. Yeah, what are we talking? Classic ice cube, flat Earth ice cube? Like, what are we doing? Ah, uh, classic, classic. Okay, make sure you make sure you clarify. That's that. good. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Make sure you clarify. Like all the way up to like. It's been, hello. It's been a strange year, so like once you know. hello happened, like that's my cutoff. Like, okay, there you go. Boom. So that's mad on ice cube. But what we're doing today on the podcast is we got to talk some new things that are breaking, some old. 80s, 90 kid fan favorites are both making a return this week. So we got to break down that. And I'm talking about Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins, and Masters of the Universe Revelation. We got a new Snake Eyes origin movie and Kevin Smith's He-Man series on Netflix today. So we are going to break both of those down. And we got to talk, because Matt is Jones, and to talk about some things happening in the DC movie universe. So we are going to jump into that. And get into all of that. Matt, oh man, I, this is a wow, this is like an 80s, 90s kid trifecta. I didn't even realize that today we got going because we got He Man, we got G.I. Joe, and Matt's also gonna break down Transformers War for Cybertron Kingdom for us, which is the uh, the Netflix Transformer series now getting into the fan favorite Beast Wars kind of continuity. So we're gonna play with all of that as well. Plus, we got new comics. To talk about, including Moon Knight. I guess we just—I uh, mean, we bumped it's into this. It's a very me-centric show. Yeah, it's it is. This is a very, I saw that. I'm, that's why I'm just going to sit back and take it easy. Lord knows, I could, I could use a rest sometimes, and I got—I got very, very exciting and able co-host. So, yeah, this is going to be kind of a Matt-driven show, just to let you guys know. It's like a Jerry episode of Rick and Morty, but uh, yeah. All right. Ouch, man. All right. Well. Matt, start us off with Batgirl because uh, through circumstances, one of my kids is home today and is screaming in what seems to be pain. So I'm going to go check on that while Matt is going to tell you guys what is going on with Batgirl. We're off to a great start. (laughs) Understand. (laughs) Also, shout out to Half Send Josh. I saw your today was a good day reference and and you're dang right. It's a great reference. And I love old Ice Cube. All right. So we're diving into Batgirl. We finally have 
Well, I mean, we've actually have a couple of Batgirls, but with the DCU movie verse, HBO Max movie finally has found its Batgirl in Leslie Grace, uh, who people will know from In the Heights uh, and several other projects. But In the Heights is inarguably like the biggest uh, project. She confirmed the news. It's actually like legit, not like a rumored thing. And uh, I'm just on cloud nine. Can we say that? Uh, hey, Brett, what's up? Um, can we just say that like the fact that like she's Dominican, right? This is a very like Spanish, Hispanic tinged dc universe in the movies and i'm all for it like it's, it's like awesome. supergirl blue beetle like oh my god like the days of only having vibe are like gone <laughs> <laughs> and it's amazing and yeah. it's amazing um and this also by the way this was was also brought up several times is that now you know one of the things one of the kind of qualms or nitpicks of the birds of prey film was that you know people know the birds of prey me included I'm a huge Birds of Prey fan, but I'm a huge fan of my Birds of Prey, which is Batgirl, Black Canary, and Huntress. Like, that's what I see in my eye uh, mm -hmm. as the Birds of Prey. So I love Harley. I love Margot Robbie's Harley. But, you know, the fact that we didn't have Batgirl in that mix was like, oh, man. And then we heard, like, oh, there's, like, three movies coming, and they're going to build to it. Now yeah. some of that could actually happen because now we actually have our Batgirl. Um, and, and so far the, the buzz and the, the reception seems to be really good. I mean, what, are you guys happy about the casting? I mean, oh, yeah. I think it's very interesting. Like I think Umberto <laughs> Gonzalez, like, uh, El Mayimbe, uh, you know, old industry colleague, he kind of pointed out, he was just like, you know, he may, he was making a proud statement as a Latin man that the future of the DC universe is awesome. Latina. And he was just kind of showing the recent castings for Supergirl and Batgirl. And, um, what was the other one? Blue Beetle. Blue Beetle, yeah. Uh, and so, like, yeah, it's really interesting to me. Like, I'm not, like, pro or con any of this. Like, there was a whole ginger movement about this and stuff. And, you know, in the sense of inclusiveness and everything we're doing for everything else, I get that, you know. We are kind of whittling way down acting to just being show up and look like the thing we need. But, you know, <laughs> well, that's well, neither that's, here but, for there. Right, but, but that's uh, what I love about this is that, like, I think she's, and we had heard like rumored actresses that were in the hunt for the role. People had been mentioned, you know, Emma Stone has been mentioned for this part. I don't know, for like the last 10 years. It's just the easiest <laughs> thing people can do. They just look, people think they're casting directors. They're like, well, I looked at the comic book page and it looks like this person. Like, um, but yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. And I'm just kind of interested to see what they do with this Barbara Gordon, because the more I go back and watch you know, Birds of Prey, like, you know, she's much more famous now, but Journey Smollett is just like seeing her as Black Canary. The more and more I love it, the more it kind of settles in. She's like so how awesome she was in that role. Yeah. Um, even though she was vastly different than what you would think of as right. Dinah Lance from the comics. Uh, so I'm really interested to see. It, it just brings me new and, excite and excitement for what this interpretation of the DC universe will be. Yeah. And Winstead was great as Huntress. Like they, yeah. they have a mm -hmm. great group there i was always just like huh you know it's like missing that thing and she's look i i'm all about this casting and i'm very much of the mind that like they don't need like they need to be the person i you know that's like the fact that she's white and has <laughs> red hair is like the least important thing about that character there's so many other things about the character that i love it has nothing to do with that so you know that i that's why i'm excited for this uh, plus, you know, it's just it's just a bonus. It's just it's just awesome that uh, we're gonna get some really awesome Latin 
representation on screen. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, she was great. She was great. And in the Heights, I love, I loved her. I just, I didn't even really care for the movie very much, but I adored her specifically. And I think she's a great actress. And, uh, you know, I think one of the worst things about the TV show is that hideous wig that they slapped on Ruby Rose, like the, the big <laughs> red giant thing. Oh, like I don't, that woman, sorry. I hope they don't try to like do this. Like let's turn her into like, just let her be who she is. Like bring out all these things that make her great, you know, that why people love her in the comic books, but also like this actress, like let her add her own little flair to it. I think that's what I'm looking forward to. I hope that they let her do that. Um, and she seems really eager. I think her tweet, like she put out this tweet and said, I'm going to, you know, do her, I'm going to do her the best I can. Like she's really, I think she's very committed to it. And she's like, I can't even believe that I'm saying this. Like I get to be in this role. And just the fact that she's so excited to me makes me feel like she's a big fan and and she'll do right. it, do a really good job. I think she's taking it really seriously. And I feel like that's all we can ask of anyone who's playing our favorite heroes and people we idolize and have been carried over for so many years and so many generations, like just commit to it, give it your all and be a fan like we are. And you're going to do a great job. Right. Yeah. And uh, now the project, this is the HBO max. Batgirl series. Right. Uh, movie. Yeah. Batgirl movie. movie. Um, I don't like the good news is that, you know, Christina Hodson's writing it. So there is going to be that synergy between Birds of Prey Birds and this, so it's going to have a similar yeah. feel. Uh, I don't, I'm not like completely sold on the directors because uh, Bad Boys for Life uh, duo, correct? Kofi? Yes. Yeah. Um, so like, I don't know, but it's not like a negative yet. I just don't know. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how about that mix, but but I'm excited either well, way. Well, I mean, it also speaks that it's an HBO Max movie, not to say they're not going to put any money into it, but like it, it does kind of say what kind of scale they're going for for this like right. a much more kind of right. controlled scale um and yeah i mean it's gonna be interesting and you did you guys touch on the the batman when i was running to check on child injuries no uh yeah okay so just to clarify because some people have gotten caught up in the casting and been like well this is because you know like um what's his name jeffrey wright is going to be commissioner gordon in the batman and so this is like his daughter and it's like no these oh, projects are no. completely separate just oh, to wow. clarify that yeah this I, is not I was about um I was about to ask as to whether or not, because I don't, I don't know if is this going to be taking place in the DC Cinematic Universe? Is this going to be taking place in the new Batman, or is it going to be its own entirely new thing? As of now, from all the it from as of now, what they've said about it, because they've been kind of cagey. Hudson's given some vague quotes over the past <laughs> few years, um, surprise, but surprise. like <laughs> it seems, it is, it seems tied as of now to the Birds of Prey that lane of the DC universe. Oh, Batman cool. is it's the Batman is its own thing. Um likewise some of the other shows because like this is not the only Barbara Gordon we're getting. Obviously we're going to get Barbara Gordon uh by Savannah Welch in Titans as well. That is also separate. That's a different mm -hmm. take where she is actually the commissioner now. So like there's a bunch of different versions uh of the character that'll probably be <laughs> running around in various forms. But this seems to be the main DCU, whatever that you can qualify that is now. Cool. DCU background. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm interested to see where this goes. Like, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah. yeah, but 
she does have that kind of classic look like a 1960s Batgirl if she had been, you know, Latin. But so I'm kind of really interested to see how this goes. Now the question becomes what costume are we going with? What design? Yeah, let's Batgirl get into has some iconic, iconic designs. I'm, I'm hoping for a mix of Burnside. That's I love that mm-hmm. costume okay. so okay. much. You were going so down good. rabbit hole. All it's right. So good. We're going to move on. So that's Batgirl. <laughs> I feel you, Matt. I feel you. Uh, did you tease your? Did you tee up your? You want to hype your interviews, Matt? You well, got actually, well, I did. So I did tease it uh, as far as like Savannah Welch uh, will be playing Barbara Gordon in Titans, and we will actually have an interview uh, with her coming up soon, talking all about season three of Titans, which I know me and Kofi are also hyped about. Yeah, baby, I love Titans. Got a real hype for this upcoming season for sure. All right, so that's on the DC side of things. Thanks, guys, for handling that. I'm going to just do a quick touch on uh, Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins, and we can kind of break this down. Evan, did you see this? Uh, no, I didn't. I was All looking right. forward to it, though. Oh, man. Okay. So <laughs> here we go. Oh, no. G.I. Joe Origins, Snake Eyes. I'm so excited. Listen, when I used to write reviews for uh, that other site, I don't mention for legal reasons, I <laughs> there was a kind of – there would always be this kind of way I would frame, re, like, you know, how movies could go wrong – it's like you have somebody who writes just an ill-fitting concept for a movie, it can go wrong. That's like Captain Marvel. No offense to Matt. But like such a hater. You can have just ensembles and performers that just don't do it, you know, they don't they don't step up or or just coordinators and people, designers. The worst crime is when everybody kind of fires off well and does what they're supposed to do, but the director in charge just doesn't get the right kind of movie in the can. And that is exactly the kind of crime that's committed with uh, G.I. Joe Snake uh, or Snake Eyes G.I. Joe Origins. Um, G.I. Joe Purist, you are going to have a lot of problems with this movie. I'm just going to tell you off the bat because they just redo some of the things about the canon just to stretch this out into a movie that you're probably not going to enjoy. Um, from the whole Snake Eyes being a mouthy, mouthy dude to uh, just some of the kind of convenient things they do to kind of fit his story with the Joes and all of that. Uh, like some people are just going to be straight up like, nah, bro. Like that's, that's not it for me. And I get that. If you are a franchise kind of purist, uh, you, you gotta, I mean, that's going to really annoy you, but more than that, like this could still be a good popcorn entertainment movie. And, and to a certain extent it is, I would give it like a solid two to 2.5 out of five um, in terms of just being entertaining in that sense. But director Robert Schwenke, the guy who did Red and some other stuff. Oh, I yeah. That he did that. Yeah. He, the choices that were made for this movie in terms of filming it are really bad. Like, this looks like somebody's YouTube, like, G.I. Joe fan film most of the time. Like, the blocking, the staging, not to get too technical, but like, it's filmed kind of almost Bourne style, like, gorilla. Oh. Okay. Like where everybody is like chest up in their face, Whoa. like for every single shot. It's so like visually off-putting and weird because scenes don't flow right. Like the performances don't flow right. He doesn't, he can't get charm out of Henry Golding. You know what I mean? Like, even though he's doing things right in the scene, it's just like the way to the film, you're like in Storm Shadow's belly button. And you're like, what is going on here? Like, just pull <laughs> back and show me this room and these two freaking people talking. Like, why are we up in everybody's face? Like in it, I mean, it's just whole thing. Shadows belly button. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> just like he was like running around in their faces, like, yeah, come on, give me that emotion, like, and you know, backing up the whole time. It's just, it's really weirdly filmed, 
And that is so off-putting and it kills the action. Like you cannot tell what the hell is going on in any of these action sequences. Like they're poorly lit, well choreographed, but you can't tell because like you're up, you're literally, it's like you were in the mosh pit and I think they thought that would be like visceral and like gritty, but all it does is just make it hard to tell what the hell is going on. You get like these weird superhero pose shots and then it's just like, and you're like, what is happening here? Mm. Um, That's such a shame. Yeah. And like I said, it, it, it's nothing to do with the cast who all do their thing. Henry Golding is for the role of snake guys. They hand him is, is good. He's charming. He's funny. He's, also serious and gritty when he needs to be. And, and he's really got some real issues. There's depth to this character and like what he's trying to do and why he's doing what he's doing. So there's drama there. Andrew Koji is great as Tommy slash who becomes storm shadow is like excellent in this film. Like, I mean, he just was like, all right, well, we're going to do Shakespeare. Let's do it. Like, and went out there and put on like a real performance and about the clan and the ninjas and all that stuff is really compelling stuff that he does. Rest of the cast is great from like Eco, uh, my man Eco from The Raid and Blind Master and all these characters, like awesome stuff. So how is Scarlet and Baroness? Because a lot of fans are going to ask about them. Yeah, Samara Weaving is really good as Scarlet. She plays Scarlet like in this kind of like almost slightly nerdy, but like really badass, well-trained kind of agent type person. Nice. Like she's not comic because she's she's like really kind of like offbeat and like funny and like kind of slightly weird. Um, it just the way she does it. But the movie underutilizes her. And I think Brandon Davis was on here kind of and gave us kind of a preview of Snake Eyes. And he said that it does underutilize the female characters in a lot of ways. And that is very true. This movie kind of lets down the female characters for this kind of I mean, granted for the Storm Shadow Snake Eyes stuff. But it is kind of weird the way it does that. And Baroness. Uh, no Ursula Corbero, newest, no insult to her. Like the character, this take on Barrett is very good. She's like a very good kind of mental, you know, you know, mental manipulator kind of middle woman kind of moving around all these pieces from all these different sides for Cobra. Uh, but she just kind of plays it a little arch, a little kind of comic book arch. Uh, she's not as good, but uh, I really like Samara weaving as Scarlet. Um, so do we, cause you said there were a lot of changes to the, kind of like the canon so to speak um and like i mean gi joe's not the most like where people are gonna like riot necessarily about like canon authenticity because it's been played with a couple different times but like it does this one i guess do you feel like it even though you didn't love it will it still do well at the box office and do you think like do they do a good job of setting up sequels i think this thing gets law lo- i mean it does a better job Iron Man toing it than I thought it would mm. like, you know, setting up the larger thing because it really is the Joes are in a step, like all of that stuff's already established. Like the Joes are a force. They have a history. Cobra has a long history and snake guys is coming into like the middle of this. Okay. Uh, so that's not necessarily a problem in the universe building because it's already, he's just immersed in it from the beginning. Um, what, and they just tease it. So this is like, this is the ninja story, but the ninja story in the context of this, they're the middle ground between what G.R. Joe and Cobra are trying to do right now. So that part's not so bad. Um, I think what's bad is that at the end of the day, like, except for uh, the final shot, which is the one from the trailers of the bike and the helmet coming down. That's the only snake eyes thing about this. Like that's the that's only the thing final shot. He doesn't get the helmet before that. 
Oh, sorry. Spoilers, guys. But oh, <laughs> no. no, this is this is this is very much a full review. This is like this is just a movie about a guy. Oh my god, no end, way. Like, I am yeah. so annoyed right now. Are you yeah. kidding? No. Oh my god. Oh sorry. God. Sorry to blow the bubble, but we this all movie. have we all have to cross our fingers that they'll do a better job with G.I. Joe Origin Shipwreck and G.I. Joe Origins Serpentor. <laughs> I mean, I will watch the Shipwreck one for sure. Zartan. <laughs> I want my Zartan movie. The no, Zartan? So oh, man. Like, they, and, and the thing is to just, you know, try to save my own spoiler here. Um, they, they very much are setting this up. So this is not like the – this is not the, the um, launch pad – from this into a full G.I. Joe thing. They set this up as we are going to tell like a trilogy origin story about Snake Eyes. Uh oh. Oh. Hmm. Yeah, this is not done. Like, this is not wrapped up in this movie. No. Like, he's no. not, like, it's not a final <laughs> shot of him, like, as a G.I. Joe person. I mean, when I was saying that and why I don't feel like it's a spoiler is he's just wearing a goddamn bike helmet. Like, that's it. Oh like, we're not into, like, no, this movie does not even Language arrive health. at full wow. origin story yet. It's part he's one about of this the map. origin story. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there. Oh, I'll have so to it's really that. Snake Eyes, part one, G.I. Joe Origins is really what this movie is. I can't. And so, oh, it's very confusing. It's very confusing. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> Hashtag the groans. Dude, I, I thought that this look, was going to be. Look, I'm just going to spill all the tea. I hate to break it to the world, but there, if, if this does well, there then there is a sequel, which you will still see a very Malfi Henry Golding in Snake Eyes 2. And that, and that totally negates the question I was going to ask, which was, well, okay, well, at least when he has the helmet on, does he not talk? But obviously, no, because it's right at the end of the stupid movie. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, no. no. This is this is a... Uh, they wanted point. Henry Golding's face. They paid for Henry Golding's face. And for two hours and 19 minutes out of two hours or like or whatever this is like one hour and and like 89 minutes whatever okay so i even so i even understand except that, for that last two minutes like yeah this is a henry golding movie i don't even give it that like i'm i'm okay like uh, and this is the thing with the okay, we're gonna face this again when the halo movie comes right or mm -hmm. the halo series or whatever yes. it ends up being so like everyone's gonna be like oh my god don't let him talk <clears throat> yeah. and who I, have they cast that yeah i can't even remember if they've cast master chief yet but like Whoever they cast, right? It's it's gonna be like, well, we want to show the face, and you're gonna have to take off the helmet, and that's such a big thing around. That. But I don't even give them that because, yes, you are having someone come into the role, and you and you do want to get their face on marketing and their whatever. I I don't even give it that, but at least do it to where like when the helmet's on, it's like you're, you're no, like he's not talking. What whatever, make it you know. Jerry kayfabe some reason these are wrestling terms kayfabe some reason why he doesn't do it you know but like then when he takes the helmet off he can be whoever he wants to be you know but maybe do that I mean at least that would be kind of a cross section but like to not uh, uh, all right I'm really shocked I'm I was that. I was really looking forward to this I felt like the trailer was really pretty I it looked good at least and i, just I thought Joe you were gonna come in here and be like this is gonna be oh this was great like i just i don't know why i thought that kofi was gonna love we're it. gonna get into a break in a minute but i just want to reiterate what i said at the beginning like there are a lot of ways movies can fail and the worst tragedy is when the person who just had to 
manage shooting it and, and getting the right shots in the can and putting them together doesn't do that. Mm. The production design is great. Yeah. The choreography is great. And martial arts choreography is great. And the costumes look awesome. The costumes are great. Acting. Yeah. The I. Joe costume is great. Like I said, most of the characters and the actors in this I loved. Like they're they're really good and and make this ninja kind of clan a compelling kind of Shakespearean tragedy about two brothers who almost come together and fall out. Like that's all really well done. It, it it's just when it's time to actually move this camera and not just film a pretty ninja room, like everything wow. begins to turn, you know, to sugar honey iced tea real quick. Like it's <laughs> Like it's just yeah, it's, wow. it's and so like Good it's right. fine. Like if you replace the new director, somebody who could like competently do this, like get you know Stahelski or uh, what's it, or David Leach or somebody, like you might have something here. The real question is, why is it Marlon Wayans in it? <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it for our review of <laughs> Origins. We are going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we got to talk about Masters of the Universe. Revelation, Transformers, War for Cybertron Kingdom, and this week's new comics. So stay tuned for all of that. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. That scared me again. <laughs> <laughs> I love that the mics weren't muted and we get the comment. Somebody's uh, taking out their snake eyes angry during the break. No. You can hear like yelling and typing. <laughs> I could, I had my daughter, I kept hearing bangs from like my bedroom because my daughter's home right now. And like, I'm like, what is going on? So on the break, I went in there. She had gotten like my wife's back scratcher and reached up to the top of literally like an 11 foot armoire and was fishing tablets off the top and they were just all dropping to the floor. And I'm just like, what are you like, how have you even constructed Uh, this plan? Like in the time I've been sitting here, like, uh, yeah, kids. Kids, moment. Yeah, kids. All right. So, <laughs> whatever tablets I have left after this. Um, yeah. Basically, we're back. Masters of the Universe. Evan, Evan, take us take yep. us to a hopefully better place than I did with my Snake Eyes <laughs> review. I will try. Um, I can say right off the bat that um, in in watching the first season that masters of the universe revelation is really a fantastic show for fans both old and new to the series i think it does um and i mentioned it in my uh original review on the site is that it does a fantastic job of kind of walking a tightrope between introducing new fans to the world of eternia as well as bringing in fans who had watched it originally and creating something of a soft reboot. It's a show that um, clearly has its feet in the original series. Uh, It it can be played as a sequel or you can watch it as kind of its own thing. 
um, the animation itself is really stellar powerhouse animation who had worked on Castlevania and Blood of Zeus for Netflix comes back and really gives it their all for this one as well. Uh, me myself coming onto the coming onto this series, I had a pretty good knowledge of like not all things He-Man uh, and Skeletor in general, but um, I knew the characters to a degree. I had seen the live action movie uh originally in my childhood as well as <laughs> which is which is really everybody should watch it because of um i i'm blanking on the name of the actor i think his name was frank uh langella who had played skeletor who just does an amazing performance uh in that movie and i know that a lot of people are probably wondering how mark hamill does as skeletor in this um easily one of the best voice actors on it not to say that anyone else is bad or anything like that it's just that mark hamill is on a whole different level when it comes to he has a such a fantastic understanding of that balance between menace and uh a joke of a character that skeletor kind of is like this this show has plenty of like one-liners and humor that the original series had as well as like it's not afraid to get dark when it needs to it's not something where it's um where it's like drowning in death or blood and gore or anything like that but it is able when it needs to get serious it gets serious and when it needs to get funny it gets funny um it's definitely worth checking out even if you've never seen anything he-man related before uh the characters that i wasn't personally familiar with the series had me uh, wanting to learn more about just in terms of what they could do. It's kind of like jumping into a um, comic book run, uh, a really good comic book run in the middle of the series and wanting to go back and learn more about these characters in general. Um, so yeah, it's it's definitely worth checking out. I think that it's, it's a great addition for fans old and new for it. Hey, you had a comment from uh, Brett asked, what about Jason Mewes in the series? Uh, Jason Muse. Jason Muse is in the series. He plays. He hilariously plays Stinkor. I don't know if you guys are familiar <laughs> with. So in Masters of the Universe lore, there's a giant half man, half skunk. Uh, <laughs> Jason Muse plays him to a T. Uh, he does a really good job. Stinkor does have a role in the series. I believe he shows up in episode two. Um, yeah, he's great. Really, yeah. like all of. Episode. Oh yeah, yeah. I just um, saw him. Yes, oh, it's just... so funny. It's so cute. I love it. <laughs> uh, they they really have like Sarah Michelle Gellar, uh, Lena Headley, I believe, um, and so many others really bring their A game to this. Like they bring back a lot of Game of Thrones actors to be in this, and they do a fantastic job with each of their characters, like Man at Arms, uh, Tila. Man at uh, Arms was like. That voice just hits, and you're like, "Oh my god!" I automatically yeah. believe it. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, he do, he he does like a fantastic job. Um, so yeah, it's it's worth checking out. I think that me coming into it having a cursory knowledge of all things Eternia, um, it it just does a really good job of getting you up to speed if you're new to the series or making you feel at home if you're kind of an old hat uh, on all things He Man. Um, Janelle, you said you started, right? I, I finished it this morning. 
Uh, but oh. you said you started, right? What did yeah, you, I what started did you it this morning. I mean, it just, it, it makes me think of my childhood. And I thought they did a brilliant job. The animation was lovely. Um, everybody's very pretty and good looking, <laughs> which is nice. And, um, you know, I would say that I wasn't, I was a casual consumer, um, you know, back in my childhood because it was more of like my cousin loved it. And so I would watch it with him, but I didn't, I don't think I've watched every single episode for the past. I haven't seen the movie. And so when I jumped in, not really remembering anything other than the fact that like, I know who Skeletor is and like, <laughs> I have the power. Like, obviously I know those things, but it, it was, it was a joy. It was really cool to watch. Um, it feels like it's obviously wholesome <laughs> because if you hold it up to like invincible, <laughs> it's like very wholesome, but I just, I enjoyed it. I think they did a great job and it was, it's a surprisingly fun ride. Like I was, I'm not into animated shows or movies very much. And I actually really enjoyed it a lot so far. And I'm going to oh. keep watching. Man, Beastmaster. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. I, I will say, I feel for me, it took me about two episodes because for whatever reason, like the first two episodes, like especially the second episode dips into like this whole, I'm trying not to go with spoilers, but like it dips into this whole other thing and it's kind of needs to set some things up. So like I was really mixed on it. Like I, by the first episode, I was like, okay, I don't know how I feel about this. I don't love every single thing. It was it 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 does walk that line really well in parts, but then other parts, it's like, oh my, this is got completely cheesy. I don't know. Like it was it was back and forth for me so much. And then by the third episode, third the three three through five was like I was in. Like it it managed to kind of really hook me. And I will give all the props to uh, Orko and Evil Lynn. Oh my god. There is a episode that really like shines a light on them in a way that I never expected. And I was just like, oh my God, I love, I came away absolutely loving those two characters. Um, and I just, you know, I thought they told a really interesting story. They took some chances. I, I will be interested to see how people react to some of the things they did because they take some chances. They do some things that are kind of bold. For the for the franchise and for the series, so I will be very interested for us to like revisit this once we can get into like spoilers and everything and see what people thought about some of that stuff. Um, but I mean, I came away like really digging it, and I came away like super pissed that the episode the I thought there were six and not five. So then when the episode ends and then they go into like the after show, I was like, what? How are you gonna leave it right there? I was what so a mad. cliffhanger. Yeah, <laughs> I was so mad. So I want to see more. So I mean, I feel like that's a good thing. I'm taking the so-called wisdom of the crowd on this one, so you guys all say yes, huh? It was good. It was it's, yeah, it's it's a good show. Uh, yeah, definitely. Orko and Evelyn MVPs of the series. They're they're amazing. All right. What's the average yeah. runtime for the episodes? About half an hour. Thirty. Yeah, thirty minutes. There's only five. Am I right? And uh, there's only five, and it's not like Transformers, where like there's like. Or Disney Plus shows where there's like nine minutes of credits. It's actually like it actually fills up the running time with episodes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Janelle, your childhood, you weren't born when He Man came out. I mean, wow. I'm an 80s baby, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I was definitely uh, I was I was definitely born when He Man came out. You need to relax. All right. <laughs> 
So moving right along. I think it was a compliment. So thank you. (laughs) Moving right along. Matt, what do you got to tell us about Transformers? Yeah. So uh, this is the final entry in the trilogy, the War for Cybertron uh, trilogy with Netflix and Rooster Teeth. Uh, The full uh, series hits on the 29th. And um, this very much, I mean, we've talked about it before when I geeked out about Rise of the Beast, right? Like, I'm a, I'm a huge Beast Wars person. This is right up my alley. We knew from the ending of the last uh, entry and plus, like, trailers and everything that they were going to focus on Beast Wars. And they do some different things with it. it it's not as uh, straightforward in the way the Beast Wars characters come in. And the the battle between like how it all fits and kind of to this narrative because this series really takes the Cybertron stuff and remixes some of it and puts it all together in a very interesting way. So um, I will say I've, I will feel, I will be again just like Masters of the Universe. I will be interested once everyone can talk about it how people react to some of the the choices here. Um, but if you're a Beast Wars fan, I from the first the good news is they don't waste a bunch of time. So like first episode you're going to get a little bit of those characters and they really aside from like of course getting a modern upgrade they feel like they stepped out of the original cartoon like they they feel just so like i nerded out when rhinox like appears on screen i was like oh my god it's rhinox and like air razor and like rat trap i I mean i was i was nerdy and they do a they do a really good job of staying true to those characters um we talked about before like there's some amazing voice casts with these projects, with these animated projects. And the same goes for you. I mean, all the talent uh, that was part of the first two entries returns here, but I was a little torn on the voice choices for uh, the Predacons, especially like Megatron. I, it, it's weird because like, I, it's like one of those things where you can't necessarily judge, like you were talking about with Golding, right? What you're handed is what you can kind of work with. And so Predacon Megatron is a very specific type of character, and he's not the character that I remember from the original series and other things in the universe. So it serves the plot. So I so like it makes sense within their continuity, but the voice and the approach to this character just did not work for me like at all. Like I never came around. <laughs> like Optimus Primal, I came around. Uh, I was like, oh, that's a little. That's a little different, you know, especially because you're hearing Optimus's voice all the time. But like, it worked by the end. But like the Megatron stuff, and you can already see some of it uh, is like hitting social. Like that's going to be very divisive. I imagine that's going to have a lot of reactions. But the overall story, I mean, again, I they go a little dark here. That's been one of the trademarks of this series. And but they again, they don't go overboard, but they just lean into some of those more adult concepts. And I think it really works. Uh, the animation style, again, is excellent. Some of the action scenes. My my other biggest gripe would be that there's just not enough of the Beast Wars characters that they, they lean into certain parts of them. And you yes, you do get to see battles and things like that. And, and they're cool, but they don't happen enough because, again, it's like they're kind of they have to finish off this epic story with all these characters that they have on board for it and so then you bring in this host of other characters in the last chapter and like they they're they are in it a lot but they're not as the the it sings when they're on screen like when they're part of the plot and the story it moves and you're and you're invested and when they're not sometimes it stalls so i just wish there were more of them i wish there were more scenes 
with these characters because they did them so well, aside from Megatron. <laughs> they did them so well. Uh, and I think people will be satisfied uh, with it. Again, the, those two, the two final episodes like are just epic and, and send it out on a really good note. So even if you feel like it starts out a little slow, give it a minute because I feel like you'll get paid off with those final two. So, I mean, it's a recommend. I've enjoyed the series um, all the way through. I think the first chapter was actually my favorite, uh, but this one holds a special place because of the Maximals. I, I wanted to add, I had, I had actually seen uh, a couple of the episodes as well. And as a kid growing up with Beast Wars, um, I totally feel you on the voice thing. I think that especially with, with Megatron, because in the original series, the best way to describe him is that he's deliciously evil. Right. Like when he has when he has his like yes kind of kind of yes. thing, and they they try to kind of replicate it, and they try to kind of get some of the voices that are a little that a clear like aren't the original folks, but like they do they they work with what they have. So right, yeah. yeah. Like it's not it's not like the other ones aren't aren't bad, but his it's just never it never clicked, <laughs> and I was just like oh, I can't even fault you because this is the character you were handed. Yeah, <laughs> and but even when he's in like beast form, like it still doesn't come across. Like you never feel threatened by this giant <laughs> T Rex, and I'm like, you're a T Rex. How are you not threatening? <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's yeah, it was it was an odd choice, but 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 I really dug it overall. All right, well that's Transformers: War for Cybertron Kingdom, and from that we go right back to Matt as you're going to tell us what's up in this week's comics, buddy. Yo, 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 you knew we were going to talk about it. We're going to talk Moon Knight. I'm not even getting to the other stuff right away. I'm going to go Moon Knight because I'm so excited. <laughs> you can check out uh, my full review on the site and even a video if you want all the uh, details on what happened and some of the ties it has back to other things in the history. But uh, Jed McKay and Alessandro Capuccio, or Capuccio, I'm never quite sure how to pronounce it, but uh, do a magnificent job, I feel like of bringing some of the thing we've got a theme going on in the comics this week of Warren Ellis. There's a lot of Ellis and like some of that ties here. So uh, yes, Mr. Knight, some of those concepts are very much brought back here. Um, but I, what I, what I think it does a really good job of is kind of, we bring some of those things that are going to get conversation going and we, and we bring those and we, and we make a focal point of it, but we also really broaden the character for people who don't know, all the the backstory yet you come in here and you don't have to know who bushman is you come in here and you don't have to know like there there's all these things that are very much in previous moon knight runs you you feel like it's not the best entry point you have to explain a bunch of stuff and i thought they did a really good job here of setting up a bunch of new threads but tying it to the history and explaining along the way and by the end of it i feel like anyway that you'll have a grasp of a lot of what's going on and even if you don't have all the little spaces filled in you'll be intrigued enough to maybe stick around but they but they do a good job of telling you who specter is and setting up how the two different identities of mood knight and mr knight operate what their roles are and then of course they tease like lockley and, and the other personalities so i mean and also just mvp this book is gorgeous <laughs> this book is so stunning it's and, and moon knight's been a character that's been blessed with a lot of great artists over the years um and i but again, this like stands out. So, I mean, I think Jed McKay, we've, we've talked about his work here on the show before, Black Hat. I think he does a really good job of grounding characters, making them relatable, but then also kind of dealing with these big concepts. And I think Moon Knight does that really well. But uh, what did you guys think? 
somebody who's kind of more recent to Moon Knight, I kind of got back into the character. I was in it. I was in it when he had the leg or whatever virus he had in the nineties and that whole thing. Oh, yeah, okay. Body horror gross. But um I jumped <laughs> back into it because you guys got me onto the Warren Ellis books and and that run and really kind of loved that and those weird stories and making Moon Knight this kind of weird, pulpy kind of you know, local or just kind of centralized character in his whole night protection thing. That was really good. Um, and I like this, as you said, kind of in more elaborate in better ways, taking the elements of that and mixing them together with other elements of kind of the comic booky Moon Knight. So this is kind of like Warren Ellis's Moon Knight, but not so singularly his vision. Like it's Warren Ellis's Moon Knight in the Marvel Comics universe type deal. And I like that blend, and I like the kind of Mr. Knight mission and that whole premise uh, and his crazy sidekick. Uh, he's got kind of a Ray Donovan type thing going on. Yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of a, it's kind of a, I never knew that I would want Ray Donovan and Moon Knight to get matched up, <laughs> yeah. but it kind of works. It, it kind of really works. And so I, I really was surprised by how much I enjoyed it. And, it, and it's much, I like this much better than this age of Conchu when they try to go full comic book on Moon Knight with his like yeah. Conchu stuff. Like this is just the the weird kind of offbeat tales of Moon Knight being this crazy hero in in this weird world is is where I like it. Which they deal with that Avengers run in like a paragraph. Like I do like that they address it, but like they don't get lost in it. They're just like, oh no, he's he's over here. Conchu's over in the in Asgard prison. And, uh, you know, that was kind of crazy what happened there. And then they move on. And I'm, I'm actually kind of happy with that. Uh, you know, I will say you mentioned the sidekick like that duo. And I am blanking on her name right now. Um, but that duo is fantastic. It has like the best sequence in the whole issue when, you know, he's talking. He's like, do you understand like why I like like hang, hanging out with you or whatever. And she's like, you know, no. And he's like, because you don't try to fix me. And that's such a there's so many layers to like people understanding him and always trying to fix him. And I thought that was a really cool thing. Janelle, what'd you think? Oh man, I am a new fan of Moon Knight. <laughs> I am pumped. I'm so excited to understand this character. I'm shocked that so many people love this character with that really cool, like mythical background with like him being the, the hand, is it the hand or the fist? Yes. <laughs> the fist of, you know, this, this God creature thing. I, I love, I love this background story and I got it in that small comic, you know, in this comic that doesn't have like a ton of backstory. They, they do a good job. You, like you said, Matt, I understand what's going on. Kofi, you want to say something I can feel it's, it in my bones. Wow. That's, that's really scary. Yes, I do. Um, <laughs> yeah. My poker face is terrible. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I, Janelle just like triggered me to, to remember, you know, not to spoil it, but the end of this book made me realize like the craziest thing that I said when I read this, which was, Oh, cool, they finally made a way to like make black people care about Moon Knight. Like, this is awesome. And I was like, <laughs> I was like oh. Moon Knight's always a hard sell culturally. And I was like, but they found a way to make this awesome. And he introduced in this whole concept of like, it's such like a Jeff Johns type thing to do, which is just like taking the crazy comic booky stuff and just being like, okay, well, literally, like, this is this. And you can compare it to, like, this. Like, Green Lantern is literally the whole Roy G. Biv thing from kindergarten, you know? Like, let's just do that. Instead well, of cool. yellow makes me makes me weak. <laughs> and like, okay, let's, we can do a little better. 
We could do yeah, a little was, better with this. Um, that was so, always really lame. Yeah, and so no. that was such a cool payoff at the end of this book by saying like, hey, dummy, like you're running around calling yourself the fist of Khonshu. Well, I don't know if you've ever seen like anatomy, but like, yes, There's there are two, two fists <laughs> that awesome. somebody punches with. And getting that concept and, and having this character who really is, I really want to see more of this guy. He's like my ghost maker of this book. Like I want Hunter's, to see Hunter's, Hunter's Moon. Moon yeah. Yes. Um, I, or yeah, as I, I called him, Black Moon Knight. <laughs> yeah, I, one of the things I loved about it was that you know, in in previous runs, I mean, it's been toyed with in the past, but like not. What I hope they do is they keep pursuing down that path because it's always interesting to see Moon Knight challenged. That he always holds that position so tightly, like all the other stuff is crumbling around him, and it's like, but I'm always the fist. I'm always, even if like they're like right now, right? Like his God is in prison and he doesn't even have a God technically, but like he still views his mission as like the most important thing. But like for someone else to come in and then challenge that and like, no, you're doing your job terribly. <laughs> and like, I'm, I'm really that, I think that's so interesting. Uh, I, th I think that's a really cool thing if they, they run with it, which it seems super like intriguing, do. like yeah. really looking forward to the rest of this. Uh, and again, just, they did a great job of framing. If anybody is kind of like, I don't really know much about Moon Knight. Cause I've heard about Moon Knight a lot from you guys. <laughs> this is something you no, not from you guys. Them? Yeah. Be oh. accurate. Not from, Jim. from that dude in the comments, <laughs> in the comments right there, who usually sits here with a Moon Knight room. Yes, yes. But I'm such me, a I will. Fan I will now. say, me and me and Jim typically gush about Moon. <laughs> and I and now I understand why, and it's awesome. Like it's if you want to start off just like me, not having any any knowledge other than the name, because your friends love this character, you're gonna really enjoy this book. I highly recommend if you're gonna re read anything this week, go Look for it. That. Oh, so yeah. she's so happy to know. Like but. this, all like this was same excitement level as my Captain Marvel conclusion. Oh my God. Yeah, but yeah. I think we were just into the raunchiness of the Captain Marvel of Dr. Strange. We're so people. happy. Oh man, <laughs> but, um, so happy. Uh, yeah, I mean, I already called Hot Toys and was like, y'all got that Black Moon Knight? And they were like, sir, we've asked you to stop calling <laughs> our store. Oh, we don't God. know what you're talking about. And That's I was like, y'all got this reading. Also, wait a minute, who said uh, did I see Darkhawk in the comments somewhere? Oh, I did. I did actually. <laughs> oh, was that you? Oh, yes. I dropped a grenade for Jim to find. Yes. I said uh, Moon Knight is lesser than symbol Darkhawk. And then I just wanted to see Jim's head. Oh, man. Oh, man. I'm willing to. I'll agree with that one. As a huge. <laughs> this, on the same level that Jim loves Moon Knight, yes. I love Darkhawk. See, so we have a club at Comic Book, and it's <laughs> me, Evan, and Adam Barnhart. <laughs> <laughs> we are club Darkhawk. Darkhawk. Sleepwalker. Darkhawk in every single thing. Uh, yes. Um, so, yeah. So, let's move on there. Unless Jim has stuff he wants to add <laughs> in the comments. <laughs> We're going to move on to a different book. Um, so, oh, and by the way, uh, I do. I have high hopes for Darkhawk as well, Brywood. I'm hoping, fingers crossed as well, but the design is sick, so we'll go from there. Uh, we're going to talk DC, because I know Kofi wasn't that excited about DC books this week, um, but we did have Superman and the Authority number one, and, uh, you know, again, ties to Ellis, we talked about that, the, you know, Wildstorm universe and all that stuff that these characters come from, but I believe, Janelle, I don't think you've had, I don't think we've touched on these characters no, yet. since you've not been. yet. Okay. So uh, Superman and the Authority, number one, is essentially Superman. It's kind of this 
different take. It's it's one. It's Grant Morrison, so you always know it's going to be at least interesting. Uh, and he is essentially making a new authority uh, because the Justice League failed uh, in doing things, and they set this up right from the get go because like Superman had a conversation with JFK evidently <laughs> in the past, and like could have been at Dallas. Like there's all this stuff right now. I always eat that that stuff up. Um, but essentially, he's going to create a, a new authority because like he feels like they need that so we kind of go through it's just him and one other character and we kind of see their journey uh as we go and it's um i feel like if you're i don't think you have to really know anything about the authority i think that's actually what works about this issue is that you don't have to know any of it uh you don't have to know stormwatch you don't have to know about those characters or whatever it's just the principle of it is really just a superman story and I think it's really, I think it was really interesting. I mean, by the end of it, I was like, okay, I want to read the rest of the series. It's funny. Uh, the artwork uh, is gorgeous. I, I think they did a really good job here for new people to kind of jump in on this. And we're going to see those characters. You know, we get a hint of it towards the end. We're going to meet those characters again. We're going to see that concept explored. But like here, I thought it was a really good opening entryway uh, into this. If you are a longtime fan, then obviously, you know, there's going to be little things that you'll that you'll hook onto. But ultimately, I thought this was really good. I I wasn't expecting to like it as much as I did. Uh, I know I think Kofi really dug it. If I, if I remember, I picked it up because it was the only interesting DC book this week in a trash week of DC books. Um, <laughs> I was just, it, it wasn't interesting to me at first because um, what's I always how do I forget how I always forget his name. Uh, not Superman, the, the other main character in the book. Manchester Black. Manchester Black, Black. yeah. It's never one, like, like he's every, like, aging 80 punk rock guy's, like, voice in comics, if you were, or alternative voice in comics. And so, like, I was just like, okay, Grant Martin, I see, I see what you're doing here. Like, okay, you're having a little too much fun with this guy. Um, but when Superman comes into it, that's when, you, like you said, when it really becomes interesting. Because at first I was just like, oh, this is some 60s kind of like uh, Superman, like that cheesy version. But it gets weird and it gets dark. And by the end, you're like, what is going on with this Superman? And it's a very interesting Superman piece. And so that latter half of the book was really good and it really hooked me. Uh, and when you finally get Manchester Black to stop just running his mouth and actually like start doing something, like he is a pretty awesome character. So the Superman intrigue is what really hooked me about this. And, and I'm really interested to see like where, where this journey is going to take us in terms of a Superman story and how many people it's going to piss off. <laughs> yeah. I came away really liking this Superman, this particular Superman. I was like, yeah. I'd read more of that. I'd read more of that in a heartbeat, like his opening thing of like, well, I'm kind of losing my, my flight, but like, I can I levitate like for however long every day. So I hope this impresses you. Like that immediate light or that line was just like, oh, this is it's a good tone setter. And Manchester Black walking away and and the whole like sequence where like Superman's battling all these things and you see like all the bubbles and don't even have any. Like I thought it was really well done. It, it was it was funny. Janelle, what do you think? Mixed emotions for me, uh, or mixed feelings, I guess. Uh, I I don't. I, I liked it. I'm, I'm listening to it the way that you guys are talking about it now because I think it really helps me to understand a little bit more. It got a little, I, I, I was a little confused throughout. Um, I didn't really know what was going on. And it is probably because I don't have the knowledge um, that you guys have of, of these characters and what's going on and why we're here and, and what anything means. However, 
even with the confusion, I wouldn't say it was a terrible book or anything. I just um, obviously like Moon Knight was outshining everything for me at, at for this week. Uh, Superman, older Superman is hot. Um, yeah, he's he's hot, but he's hotter than the young. Yeah, oh yeah, he looked great. But <laughs> other than that, I mean, it's it's a cool book. I I feel like I I would need to read it through at least twice to really pick up on exactly what's happening because I was a little confused at times. Yeah, but you good. Can. You definitely I mean, shouldn't feel bad about being confused at a Grant Morrison comic. Okay, are. Good. <laughs> Most of us are. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Good to know. Very true. It's like very much a deep end writer. It's like throwing okay. someone into the deep end because the way he layers concepts and, and honestly, just, I mean, after reading his most recent Green Lantern run, some oh of the God. concepts are just like, I look, I've been reading Green Lantern books for a long time and I read some of those issues and I went, what the hell just happened? <laughs> Who, who is that? I mean, it was Where like, are I, we? It, what it's is a lot. On? Yeah, is it still lot. even Green Lantern? Right. Yeah. I was like, it's it's like a, it was new X Men all over. Anyway, uh, like, yeah. yeah, moving moving right along. But uh, uh, I think Janelle just created an interesting website we may need to brand on Comic Book immediately, which is the Superman hotness rankings. <laughs> <laughs> are you a Papa Superman or do you like Young Boy Superman the best? Like, which Superman is your Superman? Just saying, well, he aged very well. Yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, he's a very attractive, <laughs> he's very attractive hero. I mean, he even, the, the counterpart, he said, he's like, you come in I'm here, I'll Superman. <laughs> 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 send Josh in the comments with the winning comment today. Wow, only that's Superman. amazing. I just love it. That's amazing. Uh, that's Superman. awesome. Wow. DC can make some money, man. Yeah, they could. <laughs> Yeah. Moving to uh, another book that I know Janelle is very excited for, but in a very different way, uh, is Captain Marvel. So I am so thrilled that, number one, Janelle is a, is a Moon Knight fan now, which makes me so happy. And then, two, uh, it took Doctor Strange to give it a shot, but uh, this ends the strange magic uh, arc of Captain Marvel, and we've been seeing her kind of toying with uh trying to essentially solve her weakness of magic due to a bunch of stuff that happened in the book before that, like a future and alternate future and all this other stuff. So this ends that. Uh, but what I thought they did a really good job of, of pointing out, I always loved the Dr. Strange runs. And this is why I actually loved them. Um, oh man. Uh, is it Aaron's run? This is Aaron's run. I'm blanking right now if it is or not. Um, but there's a great run where it focuses on the payment that is necessary for magic. Like every time he casts a spell, every time that he does doctors up this huge thing, there's a cost and there's a cost to magic. And, you know, there was a great story where like he was uh, trying to like, essentially he'd been putting off paying the bill <laughs> forever. And finally that comes due. So I love that idea. And I feel like they've been toying with that a lot here of, Yes, you you want to learn magic, and I love it. Everyone laughs in Carol's face every time she's like, "I want to learn magic." And you're like, "That's not how it works." Like, <laughs> you, it's not picking up magic at Costco. Like, there's a whole process, and you need to know about how that works. So, I thought they did a really good job of kind of bringing all that to a head here and teasing some new concepts. Uh, but I'm I'm very eager, Janelle. What do you think about this? Uh, yeah, it's just an awesome run. Like, I I love magic so much <laughs> it just makes me so happy um i loved the little story at the very end oh, that was good um, too. Oh, that was, was so great uh and touching and emotional i are we spoiling i don't know i try no, this I try is a spoiler spoil. it came out wednesday we're fine 
Okay. <laughs> there were just so many. It was it was just so well done. I love I love this character now. Um, she. I feel like she gets this rap of like being completely invincible and you can't do anything to hurt her. And she's just like so powerful. And to see kind of this like weak side of her was, I mean, that's all I saw in this book right. basically was her weaknesses. And so um, I'm personally going to go back and read the previous storyline so I can see why she was on this quest because it's definitely worth knowing more. And yeah, really great book. Great. I will send you that entire list. I will. I will, I will, I will hook you up on that. I love it. Because that's what I love. True fans of that character know that that's actually what the most interesting part of Carol is, is all the flaws. Mm -hmm. This character is right. like reckless at times and so flawed. Insecure. And, yeah. And it's just, that's that's the point. That's why she's right. fun because it also balances like you're one of the most powerful heroes in the universe. Yeah. But yet on a human level, sometimes it's such a struggle. So yeah, so I'm excited for that. Yeah, and by the way, good good on you for mentioning that last story because Jamie McKelvey writes and draws uh, a story between Miss Marvel and Captain Marvel. And if you watch a wonderful Kamala Khan moment, Mm -hmm. This is this is like a has so many quotables and they work in a quote from Kelly Sue DeConnick, who has talked about Captain Marvel in the past and was a previous Captain Marvel writer. They actually work her quote into that story as part of Kamala's story that she tells. That's so awesome. really cool. Um, so, yeah, so that's Captain Marvel. I will say I've got a couple uh, quick picks here. We're not going to dive in too much. Uh, but if you want to look for stories, if you're headed to the comic shop this weekend, uh, I will say Justice League. The first half of Justice League is kind of meh. But Justice League Dark, which is the second story in all the Justice League books, has been killing it. And this is this issue is no different. Uh, it's fantastic. So, you know, know that it's going to be slow to start, but the second half picks up. Uh, Nightwing 82 has some big revelations about the character. And Tom Taylor, I, I've been really enjoying this run so far. And again, uh, continues that. What's in Future Volume 3 is also out. It's one of my favorite books, period. And uh, so definitely check that out. Kieran Gillen's been doing some great work on that. And then I will say Radiant Black uh, number six is probably my favorite issue of the series thus far. Uh, and I think I think Higgins did a really good job uh, with this issue. And it just like explores a totally different character and just floors you. So Higgins is doing Darkhawk, a little synergy there. So that's my uh, picks for this week. All right, Matt. Thanks, buddy. We're going to close out the show, but uh, we have some quick mentions. Uh, I'm going to mention that uh, the Fear Street trilogy, uh, we didn't do a formal review or break that down on the show over the weeks it was released. I think we were just kind of slow on catching up on that. But uh, I sat down and binged all like six hours of it, and I actually enjoyed Fear Street by the end. I, I thought it was a good Arl Stein adaptation, and it started off a little slow for me in the in the original first part. But it got compelling as this layered story kind of got in there and, and started building. Um, and uh, it, it was an interesting mix because there were some hardcore horror moments in that. And I was like, is this like a kid's thing or like teens? Because there are some pretty brutal moments in this. But uh, all together, it was pretty cool. So Fear Street is on Netflix. They have three parts. They're each movie length. Uh, oh, okay. I never yeah, quite understood how that worked. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was just kind of confusing. Like, I felt like it came and went, but it was like pretty popular for a minute. Um, but yeah, they're each about two hours long. They're movies. They're movies in and of themselves, but they're connected and they tell one big kind of growing story across gotcha. different eras of time. So check that out. 
And uh, Janelle, you had something. Yeah. Yo, Ted Lasso. Season two is out today. I'm, I love the show. It makes me so joyful. <laughs> it is awesome. And, uh, you know, Apple TV, they know what they're doing. They didn't just mass upload the whole series. So unfortunately, you got to get that free trial back or something. But <laughs> <laughs> it's the first episode. The premiere of episode two is out today. Um, if you're looking for a feel-good, just happy, uh, relaxing show that's wholesome and fun for the whole family. <laughs> Kofi, I see your daughter in the shot. I love it. Um, then this is this is a great show. And especially with the whole thing between Italy and England, the awesome football, aka soccer game, it just is really, really fun to watch because the football slash soccer community that the rest of the world experiences <laughs> outside of the US is just huge. And it kind of helps you understand um, just the excitement around it. So yeah, uh, definitely. And Episodes are coming out every Friday until October 8th. Eesh. All right. I'm going to have to pay for this Apple TV a little bit longer. <laughs> I need to I need to start that show. I've heard nothing but it's wonderful so things about It's so good. That. Just, it's I so just, wholesome. I just don't have Apple TV. And so I, never, I know. Um, oh, so before we go, uh, a couple comments that popped up here. Uh, mm -hmm. Half Send Josh uh, about Witcher, Nightmare of the Wolf. Uh, I will have thoughts on that very, very soon. And and I, man, I cannot wait to talk about that. <laughs> I cannot wait to talk about it. Uh, and then also, uh, Robert uh, asks if there was anything good for Star Wars. I don't know about, um, I don't, Kofi, have you been keeping up with yeah, that? Yeah, Sanchez, I was waiting for you guys to kind of uh, start moving your mouth holes, and I was going to jump in there and say, uh, yes, Star Wars. If you're not reading War of the Bounty Hunters, bro, you really got to read that great crossover happening in the comics. This week we had uh, two good issues of that. Um, one that introduces a, a very, or just bring back, I haven't like kind of figured that part out, a uh, really cool assassin character. And this week was Jabba the Hutt centric, and they even have a comic issue that's about Jabba entirely. And that stuff was good. Um, the Rising Storm is a new novel that came out by our friend Kevin Scott. I read that. That's pretty dope. Uh, it is very much a middle part of this, the High Republic saga. And it's a pretty pretty action-packed it is just one huge battle and it is pretty cool um and bad batch is on disney plus and the bad batch is doing some interesting things to kind of weave new revealing canon into the star wars early prequel or early uh, original trilogy era uh you know we're getting new things about like harris and doula from rebels new things about boba fett the whole series hinges on boba fett's you know what's ostensibly the reveal that boba fett boba fett has a sister um, Jango Fett has another clone, natural clone that's a girl, and she's enhanced like uh, Clone Force 99. And so where she's going to end up in the saga is a very big question. That This is her origin story about how she got trained by these elite clones and went on the run with them after Order 66. And they find out, you know, her DNA is, is Jango Fett's, and that's why everybody's after her. Uh, and so where she ends up and if and Fennec Shan's in it and becomes her like protector. So like where this ends up and they do Clone Wars stuff with like Cad Bane and like it's a, it's actually pretty interesting. And where this all is setting up for the future of the franchise with projects like, you know, Ahsoka and uh, the Book of Boba Fett and the Mandalorian, it, it could be actually really relevant. So uh, Bad Batch is there. So that's your Star Wars beat. Do you our feel like Bad Batch is getting buried a little bit or something buried because it can be really hit or miss it's hard for people to understand like why this is relevant i mean it's about clone soldiers it's in the early days of the empire and 
there was a spike in interest when people found out the Django Fett connection, the Boba connection, but so far they're, they're not really leaning into that big canon stuff so much as telling the character stories and all that. Um, once the big canon stuff, uh, if they get another season of this, it, I would see, I would expect a shift to see kind of much more canon heavy, you know, references and stuff like that. But um, it, this is kind of stuff you have to figure out as a long-term Star Wars fan so far. Uh, and that's it, I think. All right. I think we got to get off the mic anyway. So that'll do it for this episode. Could I, could I throw okay, in? Yeah, yeah. yeah Brad, oh, can sure. I throw in one thing? This is actually breaking news for uh, Dragon Ball fans. Uh, the title of the next movie has just been announced at uh, Comic-Con. They have a big panel that's going on right now. So this might be the first time that you're hearing it. It's going to be called Dragon Ball Super Superhero. Uh, they're going to be diving into, uh, that's probably going to be focusing on great Saiyaman and yeah. fighting supervillains. So yeah, that's coming out next year. Look for it. Okay. The the there next- you go. Breaking news. Dragon Ball news. We got the new movie name. Dragon Ball Super Superheroes. That is confusing. We have a lot to process. <laughs> All right. So that'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. We want to thank you guys for tuning in. As always, we're here live, Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, Every Friday at 12 noon Eastern, you can also download audio on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. I'm stopping. I'm gonna stop, stop stumping for Stitcher. I don't even know if that's a thing anymore for us. <laughs> so Spotify, Apple Podcasts, go download there. Um, yeah, if you want to hit us up, our Twitter handles are on the screen. If you're watching, if not, I'm at Kofi Outlaw. I am at Aguilar CB. I am at Janelle Wheeler. And I am Evan Valentine. All right. <laughs> All right. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. And as always, we hope you have a good week, a good geek week, and come back with us next week as we get into more geeky goodness. For the comicbook.com staff, we are Comic Book Nation. Peace. Thanks, Bye, guys. <laughs>